Well, hello, welcome back to Between the Lines, the podcast. I'm Jay Lind, and I'll be your host. This is episode nine of the podcast, and the BTL audience just continues to grow. I am proud to report this week that the podcast now has listeners in nine countries. We had France this week. And to our new listener in France, who I imagine sitting outside at some sidewalk cafe, laughing with us right into his croissant and smoking an extra long cigarette in public without even an ounce of shame, I say, Bienvenue, Gerard Depardieu. We also have listeners right here in the United States. The official count has reached 26 states and our nation's capital. That's more than half, the way I count it. I don't get uh, names with all the numbers, but I have a pretty good idea who our DC listener is. I'm not sure if this gives it away, but a little bird told me that her initials are, pay attention here, A-O-C. But it was an actual little bird that told me, so take that with a grain of salt. Anyway. People are listening, and it's working, so might as well keep it going, right? Several people have reached out recently to let me know that they've been listening and learning. So, some special BTL shout-outs this week go to Rob from just down the street, Sarah from Texas, which is not down the street, and Chris coming straight out of Mankato, Minnesota, eh? How about that? Anyway, thanks to all you guys. If anyone else out there has been listening and learning, please remember to rate, review, and follow Between the Lines on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It only takes a few seconds and a couple clicks, and it really makes a difference in how often the podcast gets suggested to other people looking for something new and interesting to listen to. And remember... The bigger the audience, the bigger the impact. So please donate a few seconds of your time after you finish listening to this episode to help ensure that Between the Lines, the podcast continues to make a difference. And if you'd like to do a little more to help support my mission to destigmatize addiction and to spread kindness, positivity, and hope, Please click the support the podcast link at the end of the episode notes and make a small monthly contribution to help maintain the quality and consistency of the podcast. Nothing would make me happier than than to continue putting out the quality content, this kind of quality content, for months and months and months and months. Just so you know, I already have plans for a very, very special 100th episode, but... I'm going to need your help to get there. Also, and this introduction already seems way too long, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast, or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode, you can click the leave a message link at the end of the episode notes, or you can just drop me an email at betweenthelinesmemoir at gmail.com. I will address all questions, comments, or concerns right here in the podcast when appropriate and with your consent of course but 
more important than anything else, thank you all for listening today. This week, I will be interviewing Leah. But before we get to that, this is the good news. Good news. This week's good news story comes from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm not sure if that's how they talk in Nashville, but I just gave it a shot. Miss Dolly Parton has donated $1 million to pediatric infectious disease research at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. This incredibly generous donation is just one of several that Dolly has made over the years including another million bucks for COVID vaccine research in April of 2020. Think of that. That's one month into uh, what we now know as the pandemic. She was ahead of the game, as usual, Miss Dolly Parton. So that was the good news. Now, let's get to the interview already. So, my guest today is Leah. When I first met Leah, the jeans I was wearing were either acid-washed or black, and they were most definitely rolled tight around my ankles, just above my white-soled Sperry topsiders that had certainly never touched down on the top side of a single seafaring vessel. And this part I know for sure. The finishing touch of my outfit that day was a fresh polo shirt definitely pastel in color, and the collar was casually popped, like, like it happened by accident. Even though I spent probably 10 minutes in the mirror making it look that way, kind of like Brad Pitt's hair. I don't remember exactly what Leo was wearing that day, but it may have been a, a really long shirt turned into a dress by a well-placed and brightly colored belt. I'm sure her bangs were, were sprayed to the perfect height and that her kids were white like lightning. And both of us were probably wearing multicolored rubber bracelets and carrying a trapper keeper in a Jansport backpack slung over a single shoulder. I don't remember the exact date, but I think Obama was president and I just finished my 12th year as a teacher. Leah was running a business and raising kids. I'm kidding, it was at junior high and it was 1987. The rest of what I said, though, is probably true. Leah and I spent a lot of time together that year, and we hung out around the keg together a few times uh, in high school at the woods. I remember wishing that Leah and her friends considered me to be smart, funny, handsome, and cool, but it was clear that they kind of thought of me more like their cute little brother. I didn't really mind that role either. Since those long ago times, Leah and I have only crossed paths a few times, although our moms have remained friends all along. But here's something I won't forget. All of the space that gathered between us over time didn't stop Leah from reaching out to me only minutes after the news of my eventual demise began making its circles around our old hometown. And her advice that day was for me 
to immediately deactivate my Facebook account. And I did. I haven't gone back. It's pretty sound advice. But Leah also let me know in a simple and sweet message that day that she cared about me, she was worried about me, and that she hoped I was doing okay. And that meant a lot to me back then, and it still means a lot to me, which is why I wanted to make sure to mention it today. And oh yeah, Leah stopped drinking about two and a half years ago. Anyway, enough of my jibber jabber. It's my distinct pleasure to introduce you all to Leah. Welcome to the podcast, Leah. How are you feeling today? Hi, Jay. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show. I'm, I'm happy to see you and uh, for us to have a little chance to, to catch up and talk. Um, do you remember sending that, that Facebook message that, that day? I do. I do. <laughs> and I knew, I knew shit was about to hit the fan and I was like, uh, yeah, I need to send him a message. <laughs> You, and uh, so I did. I, yeah, you, I you, did. Did. you kind of broke the news to me, actually. That was, that was a really well timed. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I remember it for sure. Uh, yeah. So, it, uh, how did that sound? Does that remind? Does that uh, how you remembered me as a as a seventh grader? Yeah, I think we maybe dated for two weeks. Well, when I was the older eighth grader and you were the, the seventh grader. Yeah, you're a big shot. You were I'm not sure shot. why we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can hash that out later. Uh, so um, you, I gave everyone kind of a rough estimate in the intro there. But what is your actual sober date? How long has it been uh, since you uh, how long have you been sober? Okay, so I have been sober since February 3rd, 2020, and uh, which is right before any of us knew what COVID was. Um, just a few weeks, I think it just came out just a few weeks after that. Well, good, that's uh, good timing and also makes it increasingly unlikely for you to stay sober during that. Like a lot of people who already were clean and sober and and in healthy recovery, uh, you know, lost a lot of sober time during the yeah. pandemic because of, you know, forced isolation and losing jobs and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you were entering there in a, yeah. in a pretty hard time to do it, but you but you managed to do it anyway. So that's well. Uh, so the timing was really interesting because I had been I'd gotten sick, and in in retrospect, I think I had COVID, and right. I was laid up on the couch. You know, I just. Oh, I have the flu or whatever. And I never get sick. And I remember laying there. And at this point, I had been toying with the idea of what sobriety would look like. I would call it my, my sober curious time, which was about a year before I eventually stopped drinking. And at that time, I was, you know, drinking nightly and um, no one would have said, oh, Leah has a problem. But in my heart, I knew there was a reason I was sober curious. And um, so when I got sick, which was likely COVID, I remember laying on the couch and I was like, well, I'm not going to drink tonight because I'm sick. I feel like shit. And I was sick for like three or four days. And then I was like, well, this is kind of an easy time to stop mm -hmm. because I'm sick. So as I lay on the couch feeling horrible, I was like, I have one day. I have two days, I have three days, 
I afford it. And so then I was like, I'm going to keep this momentum going. It's been something I've been thinking about. It was almost as if I had like pre-paved to that place and getting sick, like was sort of the springboard for me because I got like a few days behind me. And then I just kind of dove in. I was like, I'm doing this. I was, I, cause I, I was just ready. Yeah. So at that, at that point, I heard other stories similar to that one where the, the um, kind of the initial start is a forced one, but you got sick. Like sometimes it takes it where you, something to happen where you just can't drink <laughs> in order to get it started. Right. Um, I, until you got sick then in, in February or whatever, um, had you been drinking every day back yeah. then? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. The first time you've been, you know, not drinking for a couple, two, three, four days in a row. And, and yep. wow. yeah. And even, you know, I had mentioned my sober curious time, which was, you know, a year or so before that even happened, you know, I was drinking, but I was thinking about and reading about sobriety. Like, mm-hmm. what would that look like? You know, at early, I was like, how, I can't even picture that. I don't even know how that would be possible. How does anyone do that? And I was just, you know, I would think about it and then I would just go back to my habits, yep. which was, you know, drinking that was heavy, but I somehow managed to do everything that I needed to do. You know, I got right. up in the morning and I got my kids to school and I made dinner and I, you know, no one would have looked at me and been like, oh, we are, she really needs to stop. Except for you. Except for me. <laughs> right. In my in my heart, in my in in the core of who I am, I knew I needed to stop. Yeah. I knew I needed to stop if there was any chance that I would have a, the kind of life that I wanted to have. Yep. You started doing your research. You know, that's a that's okay. another common story. Like as soon as you start Googling. Uh, like, am I an alcoholic? Do I have a drink? Curious, that's already yeah, it's a done deal. That the answer is yes, and, <laughs> and usually yeah. it means uh, you know that you 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 know you're you're on your way to at least trying to to stop. You know, uh, right. some people do that research for <laughs> for a long long time uh, before uh, before anything happens. Um, I think that. That's pretty amazing. So you kind of just did it. You made you you made it. You made the decision kind of in that moment. Like I think I'm ready. Like they always say, like you got to wait till you're ready. And something just clicked that you were you were ready. Well, and then I went and then I went deep. I went super deep. I literally once I started feeling better, I went to the bookstore. I bought the big book. I read the big book in the first thirty days from beginning to end. And then I, you know, I read a couple of other. No, I was devouring books about mm-hmm. about sobriety, the biological, chemical, brain aspect of it, but then also like the, I call it the quitlet arsenal, yep. like the first eight books that women yep. read when they get sober. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, I mean, and that's that's uh, so you were you were like tackling it intellectually, which uh, yes, you know, which is I think a good thing, and I do the same thing. I've done all I do all the research. I ate that stuff up in rehab too, and we have the the big lectures about how it affects the brain and, and it was the whole history of it and everything and how it was treated, you know, in, throughout history and everything and, and and the the slow recovery of the brain and the body after each in certain stages and all that stuff. Um, 
and it's important to know but it's also i think uh i learned that at least in my case that i can't you can't outthink it you, you can't just outsmart it like i'm gonna read all the books and, and beat it right. although you kind of are doing that so you did it uh, i mean you you do i, I want to let you explain more about it you're not just like sitting at home reading books and staying sober i know it's a little it's a little, it's right. a little than that uh, <laughs> because this is i mean it, the fact that you're willing to talk about it already says that it's that it's more than that um but that is a common thing too to intellectualize it like that and say i'm gonna, I'm gonna study this thing because it is it's a it's a like when you find out that um you know, so uh, you get a diagnosis for diabetes or, or cancer, and you're going right to the internet, and you're going to read everything you got, go buy the books and learn about what, what happens with, uh, you know, skin cancer and this kind of skin cancer and all the different treatments and, and how it affects mm -hmm. the, the survival rate. And those are the same things yep. with addiction and alcoholism. Absolutely. Um, and we all read, and we all read the same books. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so then what was the next step from there um you know once you're reading like besides you know doing that deep dive uh, into it what's helped you uh on the journey to stay sober well i um i've always had a strong faith so not nece not necessarily i mean i was culturally raised christian but my mm -hmm. my faith and my spirituality especially as i got older were just more sort of all in like I just always believed in God and I didn't attach God to any specific religion. Mm -hmm. I just thought, well, God is God. Right. Right. <laughs> People call God different, but it's God. And I and I didn't attach it to Christianity and I didn't attach it to anything. I just knew I just called that life force, that eternal universal power, I just called God. Right. And sure. I've always believed, I've always felt no one ever had to try to talk me into believing in God. I just did. Right. And so there were many times when I was so, when I was still in my sober curious phase that I literally prayed and I was like, God, I'm like, I think I need some help. <laughs> and um, I'm open and I'm listening and I'm ready for whatever that looks like. And I prayed a lot. And, mm -hmm. and um, so there was, yes, there was the intellectual aspect of it, the reading about it, but there was also just sort of the spiritual, spiritual opening for me for the first time really in my life to be like, I'm on my knees mm -hmm. and I need help and um, I'm ready. So I just felt you know, lightning didn't strike through the, you know, but right. I felt this fullness in my heart, like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And I got what many people get on their phones when they first get sober. I got my day counter. Mm -hmm. my, the one I use is called I am sober. Mm -hmm. And I started counting my days and it was like, it was like the Christmas nativity calendar, you know, where you're pulling yeah, the little yeah. piece of chocolate yes. out. You know, I got, I got, boy, I got a week, I got 10 days, I got 30 days, you know, and I was like really celebrating those, those small victories. And simultaneously, I was obviously feeling better. Yes. And so those, and those are big victories. They, they seem small because yeah. uh, it's a day, but seeing the next number the next day, 
it's a big yeah. deal. It's a huge victory. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think that's, again, it's a hard thing for people who, who aren't uh, alcoholic or, or addict or drug addicts or don't have an addiction to something else to understand like how big that is when you wake up and you see the number the next day, you're like, Oh shit, I yeah. made it a week. I made it a week. It's been, a, you know, my whole life. I never go a week, you know, since I was right. 14, the first thing. Oh, and then <laughs> right when you're, you're having that positive feeling about like, of setting your mind to it and starting to, to do something you've never done before, you also, at that moment, start feeling better physically yes. uh, and being more present. Like, you know, you had kids, like I have kids at, in that moment, like all of a sudden you're like, oh, I thought I was a good dad. I was like <laughs> adequate dad. Like I was yeah. by, <laughs> adequate but at best. I was I, I fooling myself to say that I was a, a, a good yeah. dad. I wasn't present, you know, like, and not the difference uh, almost, you know, immediately, uh, you know, within weeks, you feel the difference of what it's like to be in the room with your kids, you know, or be at work or to try to create art or whatever it is you do. Without having an itch for anything. Yeah. And you're not, you're not either without the itch or uh, a guilt or shame or, or trying to figure out how you're going to cover it up or, or make up for something that you, you blew off yesterday or, or whatever it is, um, or being hung over, you know, or, yeah. or not feeling good or didn't sleep well. And, um, oh, yeah. You know, so all those things, then you, that's the, like that pink cloud kind of stage where your body's feeling better, your mind is feeling better, and you're proud of yourself for the first time in, in a while. Uh, yeah. And then it, in my experience, that's where I have slipped in those moments. Like, uh, I, I did, I proved it. I'm doing much better now. I, now I can get back, I can dabble, get back and dabble right. a little bit because now I got healthy again. I see that I can do it. I feel better. Now I just yeah. And yeah. that's a dangerous, slippery slope. Right. I had never actually tried to moderate prior to really quitting drink. I didn't never tried to quit before. I never oh. tried to moderate before. And I think it was because I full on knew that that was not going to work You're for smart. me. Like You're smarter than, than what? <laughs> like what would be the point of moderating? Like why? Why? Like. Then you you're just thinking than... about it all the time. Yeah, I already right. think about it a lot. I think I'd think about it more if I was trying <laughs> to moderate. Yeah. That sounds horrible. I know, but that's the truth. Yeah, and, and then you're like left like ha unsatisfied, but you still drank anyway. It's now you feel bad. You drank, but you're not really, you, you feel like, anyway, it's, it's like a lose-lose situation and it never works. I mean, for, an, I mean, for, for regular people, it, it works. Yeah. You, know, you know, I've been drinking too much. I'm going to start cutting back. <laughs> that works. Right. But uh, for a lot of us, that's just not, it's not an option. And, so and when like, I got to the, when I got to the end of my drinking career, mm -hmm. I, I knew that it was time because it stopped becoming enjoyable. Mm -hmm. There was no joy in it anymore. It was like, I'm sitting in my kitchen, you know, it's six o'clock. I've got my glass of whiskey in the corner, you know, trying not to make it obvious, but not outrightly hiding it yeah, you right. know but right. it's like hidden away and I'm like what am I doing like this is it just wasn't fun anymore mm -hmm. that didn't stop me from having five right yeah but because then you start thinking well, no please, joy in it it's only going to be fun if I I guess I got to drink more for it to be fun but then it just doesn't, yeah. there, there's that point and yeah. I hit it you know maybe two years before I <laughs> before I went to rehab where um, cocaine didn't make me happy. 
I, it was no fun. Uh, you know, maybe once in a long while, like I would somehow not have uh, some guilty conscience or something else ruining it for me. Um, but it was never, it wasn't fun. I did it to like to, to get by. It kind of felt like, you know, I had to do it just to, to be kind of normal, to get to some middle ground. Um, yeah. And I felt bad about that. And it wasn't there was, like people say, oh, oh, you just went, you got high. Oh, high? <laughs> <laughs> this is the lowest I've been in my whole life. This is not, this is not high at all. <laughs> and then you're like, oh my God, I'm stuck to this thing that has no rewards anymore. Like at the beginning, like at least for a short while, you're, hey, you're dancing around your kitchen, doing dishes and drunk or whatever. You're out with your friends and, and you're having a good time. Uh, and then you feel bad later or hungover or whatever. You at least got you at least got that short like and then it gets shorter and ride. shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> where he's sort of like, oh no, yeah. there's not even a minute. I can't. I can do it. Um, and that really is like that's the worst feeling because you're still doing it, but there, but but you're not getting anything good at, out of it. Only bad. Uh, yeah. It doesn't even hide your emotions. It doesn't numb things. It doesn't make you it doesn't help with the escape from whatever it is like in my case that I was like you know trying to escape from that doesn't even work anymore only bad and uh, in, again with uh, with cocaine also expensive <laughs> just throwing throwing money oh yeah yeah at the same time um so a lot of what you're saying so far sounds like aa <laughs> you know like it's not like the 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 higher power stuff and the, um, you know, recognizing that you're powerless and there's no need to, to try to, you know, moderate or anything like that. Um, I definitely feel like I've worked my own sort of version of AA. I mean, yeah. And you read the book, you know, mm -hmm. the big book, if there's people who are listening who don't know what that yeah. is, it sounds like we're some, some crazy religion we're talking about. Did you read the big book? Uh, but <laughs> it is kind of a crazy religion, I guess. But uh, the big book is what we call the Alcoholics Anonymous textbook that the, the the blue book that you see uh, people in, in Starbucks uh, <laughs> sitting around all with uh, talking and holding um so reading that on your own I, that, that's that's crazy uh, <laughs> well, and the funny the hilarious part when I think back is I read it like a novel <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> page 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 yeah I, I mean I, I haven't done that I, I think maybe that'll be an interesting experiment for me to do you know I've just, you know read pieces when it's you know, part of what I'm doing, uh, especially, mm -hmm. you know, in the early stages. So I've read it all, but never like in a row, in a row. Yeah, it's kind of like, <laughs> I'm going to sit down and read the Bible. You know, yeah. it's not like. I, I tried that for my grandma. <laughs> when my grandma was sick before my grandma died. And you know, she was always like, kind of upset that I didn't go to church. And all that stuff. I'm like, she's sick. Yeah. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm like, I don't even know what's in the Bible, really. I just like, you know, what you know from like cultural literacy. So I started right. reading. I'm like, I can't do this. This is terrible. This is really hard <laughs> read. Yeah. Who wrote this shit? This is a really hard thing to just go like start to finish on, you know. Uh, anyway, yeah, and I think the big book is is like that too. Uh, but did you did you try um, meetings? Did you go to AA meetings? Well, so like I said, I I my sobriety journey began right at COVID, so everything right. shut down, and there were no meetings. And so a guy that I knew. Um, no, gave me like, oh, we're doing these Zoom Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. And he was just giving me links to the ones that he was doing, which was like, like a bunch of old guys. 
<laughs> and I was like, well, I'm not adverse to this. I'll try. He goes, you don't even have to be on screen. You could just be on there. And just listen. Yeah. And so I did like, I did a couple of those just sort of like, I was like a fly on the wall. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I was literally spying on this meeting. And then it, I remember one of the meetings they're going around and I'm like, oh shit, what, what? <laughs> and then they're like, Leah. And I literally threw my phone at the wall. I was like, oh, I'm not here. That's a good time to be on Zoom instead of in the room where that happens to you. You're sweating, you're stuck. You can't run out of yep. the <laughs> So I did a couple of those and then I stopped and then there were simply no meetings. Yeah. And then I recently went to my first meeting about four months ago. So I was over, I was like, I was like two years, like just right. over two years. First in-person and, meeting. Um, yeah. And like, when I, I introduced myself and I don't know if I had said how long I must've said how long I was sober because people looked at me like, Oh my God, like, like you're not on- is it your first time here? Yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So I introduced myself as like, it was my, I felt like it was my first meeting right? <laughs> because I felt like the zoom didn't count for me. Um, and since then I've, I've only gone to two other meetings. So, um, and I've loved them every time. And I'll tell you, the first one I went to, I laughed so hard. Yes. There was funny people in there. And the stories were so hilarious. I was like, this is great. I mean, I had, I had so much fun. I was like, I want to come, you know, every week. And I, ha- I, I haven't, but I, yes. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm not adverse to going to the meetings at all. I don't feel like I need to go to the meetings to not drink. Right. Like, um, I mean, every day I still say I, I will stay sober today. I take yeah. it very seriously. Yeah, I don't think yeah. for a second, like I got this. I yeah. don't have anything to worry about. I'm fully aware that if you do that, if you say I got this, you're fucked. Yep. Every time. And so I would, I think I would continue to attend meetings um, just for my thinking yeah and it's fun like you said i i feel the same way you do i've never been to one where i was like oh that was that was a bummer i I didn't go to that one (laughs) every single time whether i'm at the like the lowest low or like just hey i got nothing to do today i'm gonna go to this meeting every single time i walk out of there going that was awesome (laughs) i mean i'm a sucker though like it's right i mean everything that happens in an AA meeting is like the shit that i love you know it's like everyone talking about their feelings and about the 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 hope you know it's about your your strength and hope and all these good stories it's supposed to be for the newcomers to go in there and see that and go oh it's possible the shit that i didn't think is possible there's some yeah. that old dude stopped drinking in 1966 <laughs> you know, he's still coming to meeting every week and he's still alive <laughs> and he's still alive and he loves coming to meetings and you know and he's got terrible coffee breath you know but he he won't miss that meeting he'll walk through a blizzard to get there because uh, it makes him feel good and I love hearing the stories and especially the, the, the you know, if you go, so I, I went to uh, kind of a home group place in, in the city where I went to the same few meetings every week and, and a lot of the same people going to all, all three or four of those meetings. And over a period of time, you get to see the person who came in all fucked up and then mm-hmm. get to see them three or four or five months, six months later and to see the transformation, to watch it happen, only getting a chance to see that person, you know, once a week, I barely know them, you know, you know, we, we, 
you know, hug outside and, and, you know, share coffee. But uh, I don't really know that person that well. And to see the transformation from that, that like first time when they come in there, they just, they're, they're just beaten down. And yeah. then see how fast it just, it makes me go, oh, that's why, that's why. That's yeah. why I had it. It's like, it's like the stray dog that gets adopted and they're glow up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's exactly Look right. Look at the coat on this dog. And that's yeah, it's it's so exactly shiny. right. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, and I, I also love like some of, you know, in, in some of the best meetings that I, this is making me think of it. I, I got to go to a meeting. I don't go as much as I used to go either. Uh, and Every time I talk to people about it, I have the same thing reaction that you did. Like, I always love it and say I should go more and I, and I don't. Yeah. Um, but some of the best ones for me have been either when I have just uh, relapsed, uh, you know, in early recovery, when I was screwing up and I'm like, I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to go back. I'm embarrassed or whatever, which is a joke. You can never be embarrassed in front of a bunch of other addicts. Not right. they, they, they get it. And the minute you walk in there and then you say, uh, you know, I screwed up this weekend and I'm, I'm starting over, and I, but I'm here. And the love that they show you, the love that you get for coming back is it's, it's, and it's not some show either. It's real. It's genuine. Like they're so happy because they know if you didn't come back and there's a little window there where you slip, you get back yeah. on the horse. And, and, and go back into those meetings and face it. Uh, or if a week goes by, two weeks go by, you're not going back to the meeting. You're going to wait till you something bad happens. Right. Um, and I don't necessarily think like, you know, people say, oh, I, I got to start over. I don't, yeah, yeah. I, in I, my mind, I'm not really like, you're not starting over. You're just, you're restarting. And yeah. I think there's a difference because like, oh, I'm back to square one is like, I failed when I think people need to remember that if they relapse, should they relapse, that it's just part of their process. It's it's yep. still part of their sobriety journey. It's like it's like the the little bumps on the road that let you know when you're going off the highway a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's like get back on. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I I wrote about that in the book, and I talk about it a lot too. Is that I like um when I did some, a couple interviews on, on these other podcasts, they started, they asked about like, so how long have you been sober? I'm like, I've been in recovery for six years, right? And I'm going the right direction. And yeah. there were some bumps in the road along the way. And sometimes I feel like counting those days or having that date and saying it all the time, like you do in the beginning, um, even though I just asked you to do it. <laughs> I recognize that okay. uh, is kind of sets you up then because if you slip, then you don't want it. Everybody knows that date and you hear, they have this big number and then you feel like you, you screwed up, you let everyone down. And I feel like it's, it's not, it's not easy. So if you, if you keep going in the right direction, you're making progress, you know, and we value progress over perfection, then that's it. If you think, Oh man, I, I went out last night, I blew it. Um, that's just you giving yourself an excuse to, to keep getting drunk. Uh, Cause uh -huh. you didn't blow it. You know, you didn't blow it. You didn't, nothing bad happened. You got drunk, you feel bad. Uh, uh, or you, you, you know, you went out and blew your paycheck or whatever happened. Um, but if you start again tomorrow, today, you're really not much different than you were the day before you drank. And it's still part of the same journey. So I'm with you on that a hundred percent. And almost nobody, even that old guy who stopped in 1966, uh, it probably wasn't his first try either, <laughs> you know, Right. Lot, most, almost all people, uh, addicts and alcoholics who end up in recovery, uh, 
had a relapse or two or three or five or ten, you know. And um, I hope I hope you don't have any. But if you do, <laughs> no big deal. I won't. <laughs> yeah, just part of my journey. I'm not giving you permission either. Uh, but yes, uh, it is. I mean, and you're 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 a you know you're a unicorn in in, in that way. And uh, but you're you you seem to have some kind of handle on it. Um, that I think is really unique because it's like you're doing, like you said, you're working a, a program um, that is very similar and you know that, and you, and you research it all and you know it all now that, that which leads me to the next part, which has been huge for me. What, what about like um, having a community in recovery? Do you talk to other people um, who are in recovery or people who are sober, people who, uh, you know, have quit or whatever? Yeah. I, I don't have a large community. Um, everybody that I know knows that I'm sober and I talk right. about it really openly. So I talk about my sobriety, even with people that are not sober, which might be annoying to them. I'm not sure. <laughs> I try to like, not go too deep with it. Um, and then I just, I have a handful, a small handful of people uh-huh. that I can talk to about, you know, if I'm struggling with something or, but really I find myself talking mostly not about, oh, I'm really having a hard time. I'm more so like in awe of like what things are like now and like doing the comparison, like, man, this never would have happened five years ago. I never would have looked at this this way five Mm -hmm. years ago. So it's like this dawning of like, recognizing the huge shift and the the huge like difference between just what my life feels like right the payoff how my brain yeah that's 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 a step 10 that's that's uh that's gratitude you know it's like it's you're you're recognizing the 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 payoff and the benefit of this and the and the what really happens for you um once you know the 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 chemical is, is out of your system and the, yeah. the monkey's off your back, so to speak. Um, but that's good. I think it's, I think there's two things there that are great. I think it's great that you talk about it with people who aren't in, you know, who, who are drinking, right. Who aren't alcoholics and addicts, people who aren't sober. Uh, you're talking about with your family, with anybody who's willing, you know, you, you don't, you're not shy about it, which is a big deal because I think that helps to destigmatize it. It also helps mm-hmm. hold you accountable because the more people who know, the harder it is for you to blow it, especially with right, you know, right. family and stuff like that. Um, but I do think, and I'm glad to hear that you have a, a you know a small group of people. I do think it's important to have some people uh, who get it, uh, who get it more than you know uh, you know someone who loves you who isn't uh, doesn't have the same problem. You know, because yeah. um, there's some stuff like I just can't call my my best friend who isn't an alcoholic and talk to him about it or an addict. Uh, there's some stuff I got to go to somebody who, right. <laughs> who gets it. Who knows? I want to blow up that guy's head if I tell him yeah. what's really going right. on in here. Uh, yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad you do, and uh, and I think that it really is like you have like you know you need to have a, a podcast, write a book, or do something um, <laughs> to talk about this. It's like a new. You're you're really kind of mixing a lot of um, of the of the strategies that people use to to stay sober that work. Um, and you're not really leaving anything out either. I'm trying to poke a hole here and find something that, that you're leaving out. But hey, I'm open to you poking a hole. I love to examine yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not finding any. Um, so what do you think, like, 
uh, right now, this here's here's my chance to poke a hole. Maybe um, it feels like kind of a pretty picture since you know February 2020. Have there been struggles? What's been hard? Where, where have the has there been moments where you've uh, you've been close to to blowing it, or you um, or what's been extra you know hard for one reason or another, where it maybe didn't feel like it was working or worth it? I mean, I think there's been you know ups and downs, just like there is in life mm -hmm. you know it's not like you get sober and oh everything's great now and I don't have any problems um you know I I wouldn't say I'm like I struggle like the, the whole alcohol thing is not a struggle for me anymore now it's kind of like okay now what mm -hmm. now what do I do now how do I grow now now what do I need to look at now what are like it's like i'm um i don't know like doctoring myself mm -hmm. in some ways like how do i expand further like because it's one thing to stop drinking that's the that's kind of as crazy as it sounds that's sort of easy then you go okay well what what are all the things i was drinking about yes and then look at that stuff and so that's kind of where i'm at now whether it be with relationships. I was mm -hmm. in a, a relationship that ended very amicably right around the time that I got sober. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of that relationship um, with a person, a wonderful person, you know, nothing, right. I, there's not one bad thing I can say about that person, but our relationship was infused with alcohol. Yeah. It's how we connected. It's mm -hmm. how we shut the day down it's how mm -hmm. we enjoyed each other's company it was always a part of it and um you know and I was actually of the two of us I was kind of more of the driver with that right. Right. it wasn't like he was the drinker and I was like kind of trying to keep up with them it was almost the other way yeah we can usually like around you know, create some uh you know some we, we need it we need company you know so we we're, yeah we, we can be pretty good at finding company yeah. So I've been single since that time, like, so two and a half years, and I've never been single for two and a half years, probably since, since I started drinking when I was 14. <laughs> yeah. So, so now that, it's like, it's a whole new thing. Oh, okay. Not only is there this like Leah that I'm discovering, but also the, like the Leah that's not in a relationship mm -hmm. and it's interesting because it's like the first time in my life where I'm like, I'm okay with this. Like I'm good because I don't need someone else. No pun intended to fill yes. my gap. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. You know, like, and so I'm sort of, I'm really enjoying it, but at the same time, I'm like, I would love to be in a partnership. I'd love right. to, right. you know, share my life with somebody and i have right. faith that that'll that'll happen and i'll yeah that's another i mean that know. that uh and such a healthy way to see it too to know that you like you don't need it or um often um for addicts and alcoholics also you feel like you need it because it's like a, it valid helps validate you like i'm not a bad person see this right. person loves yes. me <laughs> right this person loves me i can't be that bad uh so yeah. then you're like, okay i don't need it it doesn't mean yeah. that you don't want it or it wouldn't be nice, right? But you're not going, oh, what am I without somebody next to me telling me how great I am? Right. Um, 
And that, yeah, that's a big deal too. And the other things you mentioned about what was I drinking over? What was I drinking about? Um, and that's like, you know, resentments or whatever it is, or, or yeah. you know, numbing feelings and, and those things. And you're right. That's the, that's the real work ethic, you know? So that's the, where the, where the hard stuff comes in and you got to take that moral inventory sort of and look at yourself. And for me, it was more like dealing with my own, um, you know, guilt and shame and character defects and stuff rather than resentments or trauma, you know, like, so a lot of people have to, when you stop drinking, the trauma didn't disappear. Uh, and the way you feel about, Hey buddy, uh, <laughs> cute little guy, um, that the, the trauma doesn't disappear. And the way you feel about, about, you know, what happened, uh, you know, with your, you know, brothers and sisters and mom and dad or whatever, that doesn't go away. Now you have to face it for the first time, really, right? So yep. they say like facing life on life's terms instead of like, ah, dodge it, deal with it later. All of a sudden you got to deal with it. And uh, and that's the real work, right? The alcohol and the drugs are, are a symptom, uh, really, of the disease rather than the, the other way around. Right. Um, but, and it's good to hear that you're, you're doing that. Do you do, if you don't mind me asking, do you do, uh, have you done therapy or anything like that? Um, I have not done any therapy since I stopped drinking. I've done therapy way, way in the past. Um, I, I know with 100% certainty that there's no one that wouldn't benefit from therapy. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and it is probably something where if someone said, do you think you should see a therapist? I, the answer would be yes. Yeah, the answer is yes for every, every human. Yes, being. exactly. <laughs> so, but I have not. And right. so I live inside my own mind a lot. Um, and going back to like the reading aspect, mm -hmm. like I just, I feel like the more I understand about it and about myself and about <clears throat> unflinching honesty and about um, taking regular inventory of myself, of mm -hmm. recognizing when I'm wrong and apologizing and being um, vulnerable and and just getting more practice, being who I really am. No, no what I'm you're not... talking about is like <clears throat> you're doing what happens in therapy. <laughs> you know, I uh, guess I'm doing, treating myself. The books, whoever whoever wrote the, writing the books uh, <laughs> is helping you get there, and on your own, yeah. uh, it, you know, you're doing those. Those are the, those are the steps. You know, those are the things that you, that often happen yeah. in therapy. Uh, there's a part of me that's a little bit afraid of therapy because mm -hmm. I know um, that it's gonna, like, I know everything that's there, but I just feel like I have it in this sort of convenient place <laughs> yeah. where I like know what it is. I, it's yeah. not like I don't know what it is. I know what it is, but it's in a Tupperware container in the corner of my garage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a box full of life memorabilia, you know, your yeah. yearbooks, your old pictures, your letters, what programs for, a sh a, you know, tickets yeah. to a concert. It's like this box of life that I know, I know everything that's in there, but because I sort of feel like I know what my stuff is like, let's, let's move forward. It's a intimidating in that way. That's a big problem. You know, if, if, once you start digging in there with a professional, you're not gonna you're gonna put the hard hat on. You're gonna be, you're gonna be in yeah. there for you're gonna be in there for a while. I don't want to start over. Yeah, and you're doing well, so it's it's especially you know it's a little easier to go. You know, I think I'm I'm doing all right. 
you know, on this current path that I'm on. And, and like I said, like, it sounds like you do a lot of those things anyway. Certainly doesn't mean I, I don't have bad days. I absolutely, yeah. you know, I, I would, the last thing I would want to have come across in speaking with you today is like, oh, I got sober and now everything's great. Yes. And I never, you know, I don't have any problems and, you know, I'm just happy, happy, happy all the time. In fact, you know, on the subject of happiness, like when I got sober, one of the things I came to realize is like, I'm going to stop trying to get happy. Mm-hmm. Like happy isn't a place. It's not like, oh, I crossed the finish line. Now I'm happy. I suffered enough. I mean, I really do live one day at a time in the sense, mm-hmm. like, how do I just enjoy every moment? How do I just, how do I, I just do my best today? And, yeah. you know, sometimes you wake up and you're like, I feel sad and I don't know why. Yeah. And then sometimes you wake up and you're like, I feel happy and I don't know why. Well, sometimes then. I wake up, I'm like, hmm, how do I feel? And you know and it's like there's no rhyme or reason to it and so it's just like just hold on because it'll be over in a little bit whatever feeling that is that's absolutely right I mean I think maybe the most valuable thing and it's I know it's like an old one cliche one but like this too shall pass deal is everything passes hold on just wait first of all it's not as bad as you think it is and it's gonna end and uh, I tested that hard you know and so far every one of those moments has ended you know here i am i'm not pretty <laughs> right now so that means it, yeah. it ended and, and just because you're experiencing a negative emotion doesn't mean there's something to be fixed no yeah that's good like I, I'm, I'm a believer in that too that means we get to experience uh all the human emotions which uh you know that's a, something unique about being human is that we get to feel grief and sadness uh and anxiety and you know and, and joy and pride and all those things and you know, you still want them to, to control your life, you know, and, to, and get stuck right. ruminating about stuff. Um, all right. So tell me, I'm going to get to, to a couple, two or three more things and then, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. But <clears throat> first I want you to tell me something that, um, that you're looking forward to uh, right now. It could be short-term or long-term, something you're looking forward to. Being in a relationship, you know, that's something, because I, I have this like, I don't know who he is, but he's out there and it's going to be great. <laughs> That's right. Could, you could, could you know? be tomorrow. Could be later today. So, it's still like right? <laughs> Yeah. So I do look forward to that. But mainly I just, I just look forward to my life. Mm-hmm. Like continuing to get better and continuing to, to grow and to become more of who I really am. And I don't have necessarily any goals other than to keep growing yeah and that and and just to really try to appreciate my life and the people in my life and that if I were to die tomorrow that there's not one person in my life that didn't know how I felt about them for me that's almost like that like kind of how I feel right now too at this stage is I kind of like I get addicted to getting better you know, I, I'm like addicted to, to, like you said, growing or evolving, you know, like in, in learning more about myself and, and becoming better, uh, uh, you know, it, 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 like you, you keep saying, like, you know, knowing your, your whole self, like in discovering your whole self and being your, your real self and being authentic and vulnerable. And, and that becomes kind of like a, like a rush, you know, like, what can I, what, what else can I do yeah. to, to, to like expand <laughs> my mind and, 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 and learn to appreciate things in that perspective. Yeah. Um, so that's awesome. Um, all right. So now give my uh, 
listeners. Uh, there's there's millions of them out there now. It's really spreading. I thought, I thought. So you've been hearing about it on the streets. Uh, but uh, tell us something uh, or more than one thing, if you'd like, that, that you would recommend something that you've been reading or listening to, watching. Uh... But I imagine there's going to be people that are that tune into your podcast because they're curious about sobriety. Mm-hmm. And because I'm relatively new in this life, you know, I know how I was when I first started. And I guess I, if I was going to share with someone who was maybe in the same position that I was before I stopped drinking, it was, if you're questioning it, if you are, if you find yourself asking yourself, do I drink too much? Is this a problem? I can tell you right now, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. People don't think about this if it's not a problem. Mm-hmm. So cross that off your list of things to wonder about and know that there's another way that you, it doesn't have to be like this. Right. And, um, and if, should you choose to, you know, make the best decision that you will have ever made, you know, you won't regret it. Yeah. Um, reading. I know that when I first got sober, as I mentioned before, I devoured what I refer to as like the quit lit arsenal, which is probably more for women than men. But I know a lot of people, the first book they read is this naked mind by Annie Grace. Mm-hmm. Um, we are the luckiest by Laura McCowan was one of the first books I read that I loved. Um, Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker, um, Blackout by Sarah Heppala, The Unexpected Joy of Being Sober by Catherine Gray, um, The Sober Diaries by Claire Pooley. So okay. th- like these eight books, I, I mean, I probably was reading, I probably read all those books in the first two months. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, give me more, give me more. You know, I just couldn't get enough. And but also then I was also busy. like, it but, also keeps you busy with the project in those early months too. Like well, if I'm reading and, and learning, then I'm not, uh, my mind. It fills the time of when I would normally be drinking. Yep. The other thing I would say is I know that most people, and I can only speak for alcohol. There's an itch that you get, unless you're mm-hmm. like drinking first thing in the morning. Right. Right. If you like have a relationship, like I did with alcohol, where it started, you got the go ahead at five o'clock. I found that in my early stages of sobriety, that that witching hour was mm-hmm. five to seven. Mm-hmm. It's the, from the time I would pour my first gla- my first drink. And then if I could get past that seven o'clock, I was good. I'm yep. like, I got it. I did it. I'm good. I'm good. Um, so I would say be aware of that witching hour. Yeah. And a podcast that I devoured was the bubble hour. That yeah. You should give that one to me. I think that's a great one. Jean McCarthy, I don't think she's recording now, but I think she has about 10 years of... So there's a ton of them. Yeah, there's a ton I of them. I mean, she goes back here. Maybe not 10 years, but she yeah. goes back. One non-addiction like sobriety mm-hmm. podcast that I really like um, is the, the Huberman Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know who... No, I've, I've heard of it. I haven't listened to it. Um, yeah, he's a neuroscientist who talks a lot about like 
regeneration and neuroplasticity, which is great if you're a recovering alcoholic. Yes, that's the greatest news. <laughs> you're really grateful for <laughs> some of those things your brain can do, right? So I'm like, oh, cool, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, that was great news. I remember, you know, learning about all that stuff. Like, you know, we, we were as like kids of the 80s, like this is your brain on drugs, right? Remember yeah. the, the fried egg? Uh, well, yeah. it turns out the egg can get back in the shell. Yes. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. It, and so that, soon, soon enough, man. You know, it was very scientific, but it was very comforting to me. Like my brain can heal itself. And so, and as time went by and as I was like, and even still, like I feel my brain repairing itself. Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah. Like just thinking faster. I feel like the synapses firing like yep. faster. And I was like, this shit's true. It does repair itself. <laughs> yeah, it's not, they don't just sell us that to get us yeah. to stop. To stop yeah. <laughs> oh, you're yeah. gonna, your brain will be fine. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Well, those are great examples and I'm gonna include them. I will put the details in the episode notes. Anyone who's listening, uh, if you didn't catch all those, I will make sure to include them um, so you can check them out. And, um, Lastly, give give uh, give me something you're grateful for today. Well, so I was I had some anxiousness about coming on, you know. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I appreciate, I like using the word appreciation over gratitude. I don't know why. It's my little thing. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like the word gratitude. There's something like like appreciation means like I'm deserving of this gratitude was like, Oh, thanks so much for like giving lucky. it to me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, yeah. Right, right. Okay. So I, I like the word appreciation, but, um, so if you're asking specifically about today, mm -hmm. I was thinking about speaking to you and I was normally, I would have been like, you know what? I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And then today I felt like this, I don't know, like I, ha I, I have to do it because I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And so, but I really do want to do it. There's part of me that's scared, but I'm going to make hard. myself do it anyway. So it's like having that courage to be like, no, Leah, almost like stepping outside myself and be like, nope, this is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And just not having any inclination to back out, to reschedule, you know, come up with some bullshit story yeah. yeah you know because i was afraid to talk right yeah <laughs> you know hard, hard to bullshit so, so i guess the answer is um you know even though it's a really small example just i feel an appreciation for the courage i feel now mm -hmm. to be honest that's great and um it makes me feel good too and i can tell I, i'll tell you this i can see a difference in your face they, they can't hear the difference in your face uh, but I can see a difference in your face from when we first started talking to now uh, after like, I can tell that it felt good. I can see it on you that it felt good um, to, to do, <clears throat> to challenge yourself to do it and, yeah. and, to, and to tell your story and a little bit of your story anyway, we can't do it all right now um, and, and get it out there and, 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 and hopefully to help other people. You know, that's the real thing is that somebody's going to listen to it. And, uh, and even if it just gives them an idea or it hits them later or something, um, being open well, and honest about your story. And then hopefully, you know, maybe the, the, the message goes on to somebody. And ultimately that's the only reason I really did want to come. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It is healing for me to do this for myself, but ultimately the reason to share your story is to help somebody else. I know that before I am where I am now, like I wanted to hear all the stories because yes. I want, I needed the hope. I needed to know that mm -hmm. this, I could do this. That's it. 
that's, that's it. it. And then you got it because it, it, it did. It's another thing that people who, uh, you know, normal people who don't have the problem, uh, it's hard for them to understand is that how hopeless it feels. It really feels impossible. You know, yeah. in, in the depths of it, it feels impossible. In the first moment where you really start to believe that it's possible is a really big deal that, ah, oh, you can be happy again. You can like be healthy and happy and like normal. Like, you know, I just didn't feel normal, you know? Um, yeah. So I'm grateful for that. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you sharing your story is going to help, help some other people. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing it. And um, I hope you'll consider me one of those people in that small group, Leah, if you want to talk or if, uh, you know, if you're struggling or whatever, somebody who gets it, I get it. And, and I do uh, for sure. 100%. And, uh, and um, I, I'll answer the call anytime. And okay. um I'm really, I'm really happy you came on the show. Thank you for having me. And now it's time for some thank yous and goodbyes. First of all, thanks again to Leah for coming on the show today and for being open and honest about her experience. I most definitely benefited from listening closely to Leah's story today. If you too learned something or enjoyed what you heard, be sure to rate and review the podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and click the support the podcast link if you're feeling it. And again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to click the leave a message link or just drop me a note at between the lines memoir at gmail.com. You may end up on the podcast. Or just spread the word. Tell a friend if you have one or tell two friends if you are twice as popular as I am. Most of all, thanks for listening today. And in the wise, wise words of my Uncle Dave, keep it simple, be humble, and hope for the best. See ya.